The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host Gabe Ferguson. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe at Ravens Sit Room, and we're super excited to be here um, after a Ravens win. It was it was a tough game, a hard fought game. You know the kind of thing that you expect in these divisional matchups, Gabe. And the Ravens come away with a pretty big win. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can overstate how important this win was, um, especially after you know a rough loss last week against the AFC conference rival um coming back at home under the sunday night lights and and winning against you know your your biggest divisional rival this year for sure so this is this is a game that really sets them up nicely to kind of get through this middle section of the of the season i think and um you know having that win against the Bengals under the belt is going to be great and like you said it wasn't always easy in this game you know there's a few mistakes here and there some things you'd like to have back, but through it all, they were able to make the plays they needed to, and in the end, they got the win because of it. Well, it's a two-game divisional lead, just kind of looking at the big picture with a head-to-head win over Cincinnati, at least at least kind of like a de facto two-game lead against them. Pittsburgh appears to, for all intents and purposes, be done as a team. Um, you know, the schedule coming up is interesting. It gets a little bit lighter after the next three games. The next three, three games are... A little bit curious to look at the Giants game is a huge question mark. The Browns seem like they're incapable of doing anything competent at all whatsoever. The Bucks seem super inconsistent as well. So they're all winnable games for Baltimore. Um, but it's nice to be kind of over 500. Nice to be in the right place. And you know, and, and I think we'll probably talk about this more as we continue on. But you know, I look at this team and I see a team that is improving. 
um, that they're fixing a lot of things that were kind of broken or the things that, that weren't operating correctly. We'll talk about the things that we've seen that we like that are, are improving, but you can see and feel where the upside and the opportunity is for this team. And then just, I think some of it is that they just need to stop playing quite so tight. Um, I think that part of it is losing those two big double digit leads in the fourth quarter. Never, never are, or I guess both were in the fourth quarter, but losing two big double digit leads kind of makes you play a little bit tighter. makes you worried about a few more things. They just need to settle in, understand that you're not going to make every play all the time, um, but trust in the system and trust in what you're trying to do and trust in what you're trying to accomplish and good things are going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I think that they can make some of those strides, but there are a lot of players that are coming back that, that really could make a difference. I mean, it was great to see, you know, Ronley Stanley out there. He played well in the snaps that they let him, um, but that that is a huge boost to this offense if he continues to, to grow and develop and play as well as he did when, when he was at least in the game. Yeah, I mean, Stanley is the player that we seemingly talked about every week. Like, is this going to be the week where Stanley comes back? Um and well, this was the week, and he was on a pitch count. And I don't know exactly the number of plays it's going to be. We'll see if it slowly gets ratcheted up. Um, it seems like J.K. Dobbins is kind of slowly being given a little bit more plays every week. Um, we don't know how long that's going to last for. So it could be a few weeks. We see a rotation with, with Stanley. Um, while he was out there, I thought he played really well. I thought the offense looked more in sync when he was out there. Not that I thought Patrick Macari did a, did a bad job necessarily, but I, I thought Stanley kind of added a, a different kind of element. Um, and I think, you know, Lamar seemed like he was a little more comfortable when Stanley was out there. Just, the offense just seemed more in sync. Um, so hopefully, you know, that gets ratcheted up a little bit over the next coming weeks. And then he's, you know, the all-pro left tackle that the Ravens have been missing for the past couple of years. And then that will be huge um, for this offense because they've already improved a lot as a pass protection unit. Um, the, the run blocking has been pretty good. Um, so the, the O-line has made huge strides, and I, I think that's the core of what the Ravens are going to be moving forward. You know, counting on that O-line, that's really a big factor as to why they were so good back in 2019 was they had a really good, like, top five, top three O-line unit. And if they can get back to that, that's going to be something that can carry them along with Lamar, obviously. Yeah, and Linderbaum, I mean, just, you know, big picture for the offensive line. Linderbaum does seem to be settling in. I thought Moses had a much better game than we've seen from him in these games. Zeitler has just been kind of slow and steady, and so is Powers, quite frankly, um, for a guy that is, you know, taking a lot of heat from the Ravens fan base. So adding Stanley gives you the ability to have Makari and Flaley as your backups, and it's just, it feels like they're right on the cusp of kind of being able to move into the, the right situation, and um, you know, that's great to think about. And, you know, also the defense seems to be evolving into the right situation. And I think they're a key part of, you know, anything you have to talk about in this game, um, you know, on Sunday night, because without their performance and without the shutdown nature that they really brought to the team in the first half and, and except for a couple drives, both kind of in the two minute drill um, type situations, the defense, you know, really just all across the board at every single level seemed to play super well. Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is starting to turn a corner. And I think it's taken some time to install a new defense. That's not too surprising. You know, brand new defensive coordinator. Um, you have new players that are trying to be worked in, rookies, you know, free agents, etc. cetera. Um, so I think it makes sense for not everything to gel all at once. I mean, we talked earlier in the year about how none of these players played together in the preseason. So this is kind of like a period of time where everything's getting set, I think. And I think we'll see a much more cohesive unit over, over the next, you know, 12 games. 
Um, I think we have more of an identity that we can look at. And you know, one of the things that was interesting about the defense in this game was they didn't blitz like at all. I mean, they did some kind of or simulated pressures, um, but they only brought more than four, I think, on like one play or maybe two plays. Um, it was, according to the ESPN or NFL stats, one of the stats people they put up, Joe Burrow was pressured or, or blitzed only 2.7% in this game, like the least he's ever been blitzed in his entire game. Um, and he was getting the ball out really quick. He was just throwing checkdowns the entire game. And he wasn't pushing it down the field. He, there was no, none of those explosive plays that we saw last year. He seemed to try to force feed Jamar Chase at times, and, and the Ravens seemed to have a really good game plan to keep him under wraps. So overall, I think, I think you know, they had a good game plan. They stuck to it. They executed it. They were disciplined. And, you know, they, they, that's what led to this, this victory. I mean, the, the offense had some struggles at times, but the defense was really strong in this game. Yeah, well, and, you know, let's talk about the different levels of the defense. I mean, obviously, Ravens not bringing a ton of blitzes. I thought I thought that worked particularly well when they did kind of simulate or do what they wanted to do with pressure. They were definitely putting a little bit of heat on Burrow. But the main front four certainly deserves credit. And Jason Pierre-Paul for dialing it up, you know, from coming <laughs> coming from the living room to the, the field. Okay game last week. They asked him to play, what, like 85% of the snaps. That's a lot to ask of a guy um, in a situation in a game like this. This game, he was pushing the pocket, getting pressure up there. His awareness seemed really great um, laterally, laterally. And the guys were getting their hands up. And, and, you know, I would have to go back and watch it a little bit more closely on the interior. But there was push coming on the interior of the pocket. And I feel like... We hadn't seen that since the Jets game where it wasn't guys kind of, you know, constantly winning, but they were getting pressure on the interior. It forced Burrow to either kind of fade back or throw into some of those deflected passes, not be able to step up, not be able to take some of the shots or see maybe what he wanted to see. And I'm super encouraged about kind of what that means for this team with that front four. You know, Justin Houston is on his way back. Bowser, hopefully by the middle of the season, will also be back. That will allow you, with Jason Pierre-Paul, to really start to rotate some of these edge rushers. Um, and, you know, really, you know, Broderick Washington has played exceptionally well. Um, you throw Travis Jones as a project and development in there, and it's a, that is a really nice kind of front four, four or five, whatever, you know, whatever number that you want to stick on there of guys that, that are going to be able to give you a rush and, and pressure the quarterback. And, you know, in the first half, the reason the Ravens played well was because they were getting pressure with the front four and dropping seven, and that's just going to be hard for any team to defend or attack. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how the best defenses generally succeed. If you have the guys up front who can get pressure with the, the front four, that makes the whole job so much easier. You don't have to bring five, bring six to get pressure. Um, and, you know, if you, if you can mix in some of those simulated pressures, you know, where you're you know, having guys who are, you know, mugged up over the, over the A-gaps, we saw that a couple times, and then dropping off or... You know, dropping off the linebackers and or outside linebackers and blitzing an inside linebacker. We saw Josh Bynes do that in this game, where you know he came through untouched on on extremely well-timed blitz, um, and got got a sack that that helped uh, you know put the put the Bengals in a tough situation. So, you know, I think that's all positive, and that's exactly what you know you want your defense to be able to do. So, um, they have the corners, obviously. I think you know with, with Humphrey and Peters, they played exceptionally well, in my opinion. Um, so having those two corners as a foundation, um, you know, solid safety play. And, and, it, and it looked like, you know, this is a game where the linebackers stepped up as well. So all, all across the board, I think the defense played really well. 
Obviously, you mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul in his second game. He's playing a lot of snaps for the Ravens already. I mean, he's basically out there on like 75% of the snaps, and that's something that um, you see who's not someone who's not like familiar with the defense, who's just coming in off the street and already contributing at that level. That's that's a huge impact for this team, who is desperately in need of guys off the edge. When Houston gets back, when Bowser gets back, it's going to make it so much better. And who knows, Ajabo, if he can come in this year and, and be like a real like kind of speed threat off the edge as well, we'll see with him. But, you know, there is a lot of potential upside in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, I, there's there's a ton of upside here and a lot of a lot of opportunity for kind of what those guys are going to do. And I think that, you know, Patrick Queen and Josh Bynes need singled out for their good play in this game. There were a couple of mixed tackles kind of sideline to sideline. And when they were kind of in deep drops and they didn't quite get up to where they should have, but otherwise played a really good game. Um, obviously Patrick Queen with the big interception. And I thought, you know, just to single out what you see from Patrick Queen on that play was him one, playing the play action correctly. Two, dropping quickly. Three, being aware of what was behind him. He and he, Patrick Queen almost never does this. He turned around and he looked at what was going on behind him, on both sides of him, recognized that there was nothing to the inside, that there was only the outside receiver, and that he was going to be, if anything, beaten on an inbroken route and played the angle and played the route perfectly for how he needed to in that situation. If Patrick Queen can do that for the rest of the year and have that kind of awareness um, and not kind of get caught in no man's land and be able to read and and kind of narrow down in terms of defenses based on what the Ravens are calling. And I don't know if that's just his personal development there, just lucky in terms of one play or he's doing that more than we're noticing it or that he's getting more comfortable in the defense. I'll take any iteration of that. But if we continue to see that kind of play from Patrick Queen, there's a lot of upside for where this defense can go. Yeah, I think one word that he used there was, was a particular importance, and that's awareness. I think that's something that Queen has desperately lacked in the first couple of years, and and maybe he's starting to have some of that development, like you said, becoming better at recognizing what an offense is doing, understanding route combinations, understanding you know where a quarterback's looking, um, and then just the ability to get his hands on the ball and haul it in as opposed to just, you know, drop it as he said a couple of times earlier in the season so huge kudos I mean, and, you, and you described it perfectly you know i thought it was a, a great play from him and um if he can play at that level then this defense is you know poised to have an even bigger job i'm i'm not expecting that from him for the rest of the season just based on what we've seen but if he can kind of ratchet up this game you know that's that's fantastic and that definitely raises the floor even further of how good this defense can be so you know yeah like great job by him. Um, I thought he played really well in this game. And, you know, they needed that that interception he made was a critical point in the game where, where you felt like things really could have caved in the wrong way if, if the Bengals had, you know, gotten the ball after the failed fourth, fourth down conversion and they marched down the field and scored. That would have really, really, I think, damaged this team's chances. And getting that ball right back immediately and being able to, you know, the, the Ravens didn't even put together a long drive after they got the interception, but they were able to get in field goal range and and score a, a really important, you know, field goal in that spot. So so that was really huge, and that's something that hopefully we'll see more of as, as the season progresses. Yeah, and then the secondary was just lights out. I mean, it, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to look at this game and not talk about how effective the, the secondary was. They played really, really, really well. Hard not to be happy with it. I mean, 
Marcus Peters with a gold star game, whatever, whatever, whatever level or whatever you want to call it in this game, he was individually phenomenal, played in the right places at the right times. His recognition on, uh, as, as they call it in the game, the Philly special, his ability to knock down the wide receiver in that play, great recognition on the back end by the Ravens zone coverage as well to take away that throw to Burrow as an opportunity. But, um, just really nice play consistently all night on Peters. I disagreed with the pass interference call that they that they called on him, but you know even with that in tow, just played played a very very nice game overall for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean Peters has really come on. I think he had a few struggles in that first game against the Dolphins. I think he was starting to get his you know feet under him, get used to the pace of play a little bit. Um, but he's been pretty lights out since he's gotten back on the field. Um, he had a you know, a few really big tackles in this game. You know, obviously the one on, on Boyd on the Philly special play, but there's a couple other plays where he really came up and, and you know, laid the wood and, and was really strong. There was one where he missed a tackle um, that led to that big catch and run by uh, Mike Thomas, but is that his name Mike Thomas? No. Yep. Um, so there's two Mike Thomases. Okay. Um, the other Mike Thomas. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, that happens though. Every once in a while, you're going to take a bad angle, and, and it was a good play by the receiver, so you can't take that away from him. But overall, a yeah, great play from, from Peters, and I agree with you on FPI. Like, it could have been called for holding. He had a, like a grip on the guy's, I don't know, what, towel or something, jersey. Um, but the actual trip, that was like an incidental contact. That was when the ball was actually in the air. So, should have been a hold probably before that. Got definitely wasn't a PI. So, I don't know. The refs, the refs had another questionable. Um, game in this one. There's a few calls I think that were like a little ticky-tacky, but overall I thought better call game than the week before, so can't have too many complaints. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you know, the safety play was not one that jumped off the page. Well, Mar- just as an aside, Marlon Humphrey also played a really spectacular game, and he has quietly been having a really good shutdown season. Um, you know, the only play that I really remember that he gave up was the throw from Jamar to Jamar Chase inside the red zone. That was just a bad throw and a great, great play by Jamar Chase. Um, Humphrey was in the right place if it was an actual back shoulder throw to break it up. Um, and so I don't know if Burrow threw away from that because he saw that or just because it was an errant throw, but all of that ended up making a huge difference. He's played really well. Pepe played really well as in addition to that. I thought there were a couple of times where he got lost in zones where he seemed to be kind of just not looking around or not having the awareness, not knowing what was going on around him, but played a super physical game. Nice to know that you've got a guy like Williams and Stevens to have that other body off the bench that can rotate if you need health, whatever that looks like, um, you know, really shaping up well for the corners. And then from a safety play perspective, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like offensive linemen, where you're you're getting quality safety play in the sense that you're not seeing them, you're not seeing them be bad, right? Like you're not seeing the blown plays, you're not seeing kind of the things get get beat over the top in terms of what you're getting from them, and that makes all the difference in the world. And so, you know, you you hope to continue to see them, you know, evolving in that direction and still being kind of shut down in that approach. But, you know, Marcus Williams and the injury and being, I mean, we're looking at least four weeks without him. Sounds like it's a pretty serious injury, wrist injury. And so we're we're not going to see him back for more like, you know, eight weeks. I I wouldn't expect him back until December at this point, just the way that they've talked about that. And it will be interesting to see how these guys step up. I thought Geno Stone played really well in this game when he came in to replace Williams. You and I talked a lot about that last week, that Geno Stone is 
more than adequate enough to be a quality starter as a backup in this league. Um, he came in and proved that that that, tr- that was definitely the case. Um, and so Kyle Hamilton is going to get that role that you want to see him have. You know, whether you know, we may disagree about whether he's ready or not. I think he didn't look out of position at any point that I can recall in this game. Um, but his role is now going to increase no matter what um, in this game. And, and it's we're going to find out if he's ready for the, the big time. Yeah, I mean, you would think, so. just on Hamilton, you would think that his role will increase. Um, we don't know for sure. I mean, it's possible that Geno Stone just kind of does a one-to-one replacement with, with Marcus Williams. And if that's the case, then we might just see Kyle Hamilton stay in the same role he's been in, um, which would be interesting, maybe a little disappointing. Um, as I, I do like Geno Stone a lot. I think, you know, he came in, and I don't think that they really did anything worse or egregiously bad with him out there so i think you know he is a high level backup he could be a starter i think in a lot of teams um so the, the ravens have probably the best safety depth in the nfl um and they're lucky to have you know guys like that we'll see if someone gets caught up we might get um name Ardarius washington maybe called onto the team i don't know i think the ravens you know see him as someone who's kind of like a slot cornerback safety hybrid um, Brandon Stevens at times can play safety for you as well, so we might see some you know versatility there. Um, I think it's interesting how how Stevens and Williams have been deployed, and Pepe Williams that I'm referring to, um, because in this game it seemed like Pepe was kind of the predominant slot guy, like he was out there mostly playing slot, and I think that's good because that means Marlon Humphrey can play on the outside. Um, and then, but we've also seen Brandon Stevens play in the slot, and it seems like it's kind of a matchup thing or like a, a game script thing or whether it's the players they're going up against or whether they're playing more zone or more or more man, um, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. And I don't know if that's going to be a tell. I hope it's not moving forward. But, you know, I, at least they have the versatility to kind of do what they think is best in terms of what they're matching up against against different offenses. Because you know, Demarion, Williams, and Brandon Stevens, very different players. Different size, different kind of physicality. I think Brandon Stevens is, a, is faster, you know, um, someone who's a little bit bigger, has more size, and Williams is really feisty, and he, and he lines up better on somebody on the inside who's more quick and agile like that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they're um, kind of used moving forward, and if they have specific roles uh, in, in this way, or just kind of how we've just seen the couple past couple games play out. Yeah, I, I'm excited and interested to see how that's all going to break down as well. I think that I think we're in overall positive territory for kind of how that's going to shake out and uh you know it's just it's nice to have depth back there it's nice to know that even though you've lost one of your kind of three main key players in the secondary you feel comfortable about where the team is overall and so anytime i'm in a situation like that <laughs> it makes it makes me happy to, to think about kind of where they are situationally kind of on the defense and kind of where the evolution of this team has an opportunity to go. And I, I do think that ultimately that's the big thing. The big takeaway for me is that there feels like there's growing upside in this defense, both in the pass rush, both in the guys that are going to return, both in their ability to gel. Um, and, it, and it just feels like a couple more good weeks and that momentum starts to build. You see the swagger from guys like Humphrey and Peters, and it's just going to, that's just, going to bleed down into the middle of that defense into the front line what they're getting from those guys and so i think we're going to see a lot more kind of productivity when, when we're looking at the defense ironically enough i feel the same way about the offense when i was watching this game it felt like the running game feels like it's back um 
And it didn't feel like the Ravens were using Lamar as a full-scale running threat in the first half of this game, obviously, and even in the third quarter. But by the time they got to the fourth quarter, Lamar was like, you know, we got to win this game. I'm going I'm to go run, run the ball. Um, and, you know, to me, that's an interesting question because I understand the desire to want to throw the ball, the desire to want to kind of ebb towards more of a passing offense and blah, 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 blah. There, all, there's a lot of narrative on that. I think there's a lot of, a lot of pressure publicly on Lamar for that but like Lamar's not taking big hits on these runs they could run him probably another four to five times a game with another four to five meaningful options in the game that would be more productive than what they're doing on the field right now especially with a guy like Bateman out especially with the line still trying to come together um and I I didn't think I would say this to start the year, but I, I would like to see more of it. I think that they'll be better on offense. They'll convert more drives. They'll extend more drives. They'll put more pressure on defenses. And it is still, the deep passing game is way better than it has been. And we'll talk a little bit about Lamar's specific performance here. But they're leaving yards and efficiency, I think, on the field by not letting him run for risk that I don't think is exceptionally that dangerous. I think it's an interesting um area of conversation because I think clearly in high leverage situations they're leaning on Lamar and and this the end of this game is a perfect example of that I mean on that final drive I think actually the final two drives it was, it was just Lamar running a lot and it was you know picking up good yardage and take, and keeping the chains moving and keeping drives sustained and can you do that without having Lamar be that focal point I think that's something that's might actually kind of determine what the ceiling of the team is because if you can you know pick up chunks of yardage you know with the running game that isn't Lamar then when you add Lamar on top of that then I think you you are at the kind of peak offensive performance if you were just relying on Lamar to make that those types of plays every single time and say Lamar we're down two points go coordinate a drive where you run the ball seven times and, and pick up you know four first downs with your feet that's asking an awful lot of him, and as defenses kind of, you know, become more and more in tune with, like, this is the, the strategy the Ravens are going with in, the, in these important situations, they're going to be more and more keyed in on that. And somebody else is going to have to step up. And I know we have receivers that are capable. You know, Mark Andrews obviously had another very big game. He's been exceptional all season long. Um, but at the wide receiver position, we really haven't had that consistently you know we've had Bateman have a couple of nice games but obviously he's injured now um I do think I saw a lot of good things out of Devin DuVernay in this game and I kind of want to talk a little bit about him just because he was used in a lot of interesting ways and I think it's something that we've talked about before and wanted to see out of this offense before and it's finally kind of come to fruition and kind of for the same reason that you're talking about like the need to have Lamar being put into a more prominent role I think this was kind of thrust onto Duvernay because Bateman was out. They needed another person who could kind of take some of the load of the offense and keep some of these you know, drives sustained and keep, you know, the chains moving on on some, like, you know, easy offense. And that was really important in this game. We, we, we saw him line up in the backfield. How many times have we said, you know, let's put Duvernay in the backfield and see what happens? They did it, and he had a nice run out of it. Like, you can do that more often. We saw a lot of jet motion. We saw a lot of kind of, like, quick swing passes to him, getting him touches. And I think he had something like 80 or 90 total yards in this game. Like, that's a very successful game. And that may not be Debo Samuel, but he also had a couple of long touchdown passes if, if it's a 
you know, a couple of yards shorter. Like, he was very active in this game, and I think that's something that I would love to see more of. Yeah, well, it's it's hard to argue with what the Ravens have gotten out of Devin DuVernay in this game. He looked much better running to the edges. It seems like he just needs opportunity and a role in this offense, and there's really no reason the Ravens shouldn't continue to give that to him, even once Rashad Bateman is back. You know, the the... the the issue did not seem to be the guys weren't getting open. That was holding the kind of the team back operationally on offense. Um, like you said, there were a couple plays that DuVernay himself was open. I want to see them continue to use him in that role, continue to expand it, continue to put kind of pressure on these defenses. I, you know, I, I also think the Ravens should be, generally speaking, more vertical in their passing offense anyway. I think that they generally will run one guy deep on a route and hope that he hits and gets open. Um, and try and work everything else underneath. And I think that they could open up a lot more by running two guys on that. So um, there's opportunities with DuVernay and Bateman when they're both back to continue to let Andrews work the middle of the field. Um, you know, you can keep extra blockers in if, if that's what you need to do. But it, he, should, he should definitely continue to get a larger role. And the Ravens should get a lot of credit for kind of DuVernay developing him, the place that they drafted him, and the trust in the front office um, to be able to say, hey, we're going to give him this shot and we're going to let him play. Um, I, I also don't think that the Ravens need to trade for a wide receiver. I think that, that Demarcus Robinson could have played a little bit better in this game or had a bit bigger of an impact. You could say the same thing about Isaiah Likely, but I don't think adding a even like a 2A or kind of 1B minus type wide receiver is ultimately going to make any difference in how Greg Roman calls the games, the Ravens' approach to games. And I think that if that's the case, I'd rather save the cap, continue to let DuVernay develop. You know, we saw a little bit of Prochet in this game. You know, I think that there are, you know, I would rather see Likely continue to get those opportunities to develop. He needs to, he needs to catch that pass in the flat that he got to kind of fourth and inches a few more times at NFL speed, and he'll convert those. In the preseason, that was against guys that were half a step slower. He was able to juke them. He did the same thing he did in the preseason game, didn't get up the field fast enough. In this game, if he turns and just goes up the field, he probably picks up that first down, and the Ravens convert there anyway. Again, you've got to give these guys, just like with Duvernay, like you were saying, if you give them the opportunities to succeed, it's going to pay off down the road for them. Um, and I want to see, continue to see them get a chance. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I do think there were times in this game where the there were some issues with the wide receivers not getting open. And, you know, there was a few times where Lamar had to hold on to the ball, had kind of to bail out and throw the ball away. And I think that, I mean, I haven't watched all 22 either, so it's hard to know for sure. But I think that looking, just looking at the way that some of his plays developed, I think those might be instances where, you know, nobody was coming open. There obviously were a few instances where there were guys open downfield and the, and the pass just wasn't completed. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's going to happen at times, but I'm not overly concerned about the wide receiver position. I agree with you and your assessment with Likely. Um, I think that, you know, for the most part, he's been used kind of as like a as, as an option in the flat and like short passes. I'd like to see him more over the middle of the field, um, you know, use him on some crossers, use him on some like skinny posts, you know, some seam routes, things to get him open there and kind of, and you can work, you know, Andrews off of him and kind of have them both kind of, you know, stress the middle of the field. I think that's where I'd be looking to kind of take the next step in the, in the passing game. And I think the wide receivers are, are plenty able, especially once Bateman gets back, to, con to continue doing what they're doing with it without a need to add there. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I mean, all the opportunities are there. And I think that, you know, there was an interesting play that you tweeted about in this game where the only running back on the field was Ricard. Um, and the Ravens had success on that play. So, you know, I think the door is open for continued creativity in terms of how they line up, how they approach, you know, the play calling from that perspective. There, There's there's more to be had there. I mean, you know, to me, it feels like, and we, we should, you know, we, could, we should talk a little bit about Lamar specifically in this game, but it just feels like this team is leaving a lot on the field, right? You know, I just, you know, Having just watched the Raiders uh, Chiefs game, it didn't feel like the Raiders. The Raiders kind of got almost everything out of their offense that they were going to get into that game. It didn't feel like there were plays or opportunities or moments where they should have been getting more out of what they were doing. And quite frankly, the same for the Chiefs. When I watch this Ravens team, it feels like there are there's a lot more that they could be doing. There's a lot more upside. There's a lot more opportunity. And so I think some of that is wrapped up in Lamar and how he's thrown the ball for the last two games, which has really not been that great um you know when you the buffalo game there was weather this game there's no you know weather related issues he missed duvernay on the go route when he should have had him he missed tyler wallace on a stop and go as well when he should have had him that was that one was worse because all he had to do was put a little air under it and he could have thrown a 10 yards short and it still would have been at least a first down like you can't throw it you can't throw long there um you got to give your receiver a chance to catch the ball, but he missed a couple other throws on crossers that that we've been seeing him miss before this make before this year. And I just wonder if the the injury is still lagging that was there before the Patriots game, where he was wearing the brace and he's just not comfortable with whatever that looks look is. But everything to me feels a smidge sped up. And I guess this is you know the same allegory that I give with the Chiefs and the Raiders. Carr looks comfortable and he looked consistent he doesn't seem to rush through his progressions it doesn't seem you know when he needed to break the pocket he did it in the right situations Lamar wasn't not doing any of those things but it just felt like he was a little on fast forward for everything during this game um and if he can just let that kind of get slowed back down because like the Jets game was a really good example where there was pressure sometimes he did need to set up, step up but he wasn't it wasn't kind of like an all-out panic when that happened or it wasn't like hey i just need to chuck the ball in this moment because that that's what it felt like on the wallace play he felt like felt like it seems like he felt like he just had to get the ball out and he threw it way earlier than he needed to um and if he could just slow that down a little bit i think a lot of that will come back i'm going to quibble with the wallace play because he did have a defender right in his face like he he needed to get rid of that ball but i agree with your general you know point there that you know Lamar I think he feels like he's a little there's a little bit lack of confidence in his arm I think I, I don't know if it's the, the, the injury we saw a couple weeks ago that was reported that you know Harwell said it was a big deal he was wearing an arm sleeve for a while took it off whatever happened there I don't know if that's still lingering it's a mental thing maybe um, but it just looks like he is thinking a little bit too much and like trying to I don't know, at times maybe do too much, but like when he was, you know, slinging it just in, in rhythm, even in this game, like he looked really good with what he was doing. And we saw a few plays in like, I think it was at the end of the third quarter or fourth quarter, you know, he was making to Andrews and it was just like pinpoint accuracy, like throws on the run. There was one play where I think it was the Duvernay. It was like, there wasn't an immediate open receiver. He rolled out of the pocket. Duvernay kind of runs kind of like a out route to kind of you know help him out as come open for him um and he's on the run and throws a dime and gets hit while he's throwing it's just like when Lamar is like in that groove he's so good like he is 
the best quarterback in the league when he's playing like that. But sometimes he just gets in his head a little bit. And it's like, whether he's not confident in his protection, not confident in the receivers, not confident in himself, I'm not sure what it is. But if he can you know, get over those like little, like whether it's a mental thing or, or whatever it is, and he can just consistently make those throws, because the throws are there to be made. Like there are open receivers. If he hits them, then I think, honestly, the, the potential of this offense is, is through the roof, considering what we talked about with how much the running game has evolved. Like you put those two things together and like, I'm not really sure what, what you can really do to defend it because the plays are there to be had. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and J.K. Dobbins with a much lighter load this week than last week. I thought he looked, I, you know, I think he, there might have been some lingering fatigue from the last game. I thought he looked tired, um, you know, at the end of it, at the end of the Buffalo game. But, you know, he's looking more and more like himself. We saw a couple broken tackles. Um, you know, deep in the backfield against defensive linemen where he gets out of it and, and gets there. The Ravens were two, I think, two tripped players away from scoring two more touchdowns in this game. Um, J.K. Dobbins tripped over Mark Andrews holding up a block to the outside, and I think he was going to get to the edge. It might have been gone if he had in this, in this game. And then in the fourth quarter, Lamar tripped over Devin Duvernay's foot when he was holding up on a block too, and there wasn't really anybody in front of him on those. And there were two or three other plays where Lamar just got kind of like nabbed by the shoelaces. Um, and if his feet had, got, feet had gotten picked up in those, those were going to be massive gains as well. So, you know, it is, as they say, a game of inches. And I thought that Cincinnati's approach to what they were trying to do with Lamar was smart. You know, they kind of kept guys in hook zones against him to the outside. And then when Lamar would break the pocket, those guys' obligation were to immediately rush him and to try and take away the lane and pressure him. And so I don't know that that's something that I feel like I've seen come up against the Ravens a lot. So maybe that had something to do with how, um, why he was throwing a little bit more rushed. And I know Cincinnati, you know, I'd have to go and look at the statistics. It just felt like they were throwing you know, more than four-man rushes at Lamar often, that they wanted to take away his lanes, they wanted to put pressure on him, they wanted to make him do that. And so the game from Lamar overall wasn't bad here, but it did really, this felt like a game that, again, for the Ravens, that shouldn't have been close, should have been one of those ones where they had a 17, 21-plus point lead at some point during the second half, um, and it just, it just kind of never came together that way. Yeah, but, you know, as long as they got the win, I think... That's what matters. If you can build on those things and do them correctly, and and you know, kind of remove the mental errors, remove the little snafus here and there that are holding them back, I think then you're you're in good shape. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, you mentioned Dobbins. I thought you know he continues to play well. We actually got some positive from Kenyon Drake in this game. Um, I thought I thought the running game in general was a little bit better. And I think that the Bengals had an interesting defensive game plan and I, I don't think it I mean it worked maybe to a certain extent they only let up 19 points but like I also feel like it, it really didn't work that well they definitely didn't want to let Lamar beat them scrambling like that was pretty clear they had a spy on him the entire game it seemed um and like you said they kind of had guys even like in like the in like the flats like with eyes on on Lamar um I think they definitely did not want to get beat by him on on you know, passing plays that were not, you know, him throwing the ball down the field. And I don't think he had really, maybe one or two scrambles, but nothing that was big or longer than like, you know, three or four yards. So to that extent, it seemed to work, but that meant that, you know, the Ravens had some opportunities. They had some guys who were able to win in one-on-one coverage. Um, Mark Andrews, I think, had a big game because of that. Um, so that's kind of the pick your poison. You know, what was the defense going to do? And I, I also think 
the Ravens' running game was able to be a lot better because of the way that they were playing it. They weren't loading the box. They were kind of treating even the Ravens' heavier packages, whether it's 12 personnel or 22 personnel, only having six or seven in the box. And I think that really helped the Ravens out in terms of getting that running game going. Um, and I guess that was, you know, a decision that was made by the Bengals coaching staff, and the Ravens took advantage of it. So I think that's what you want your team to do. Um, look at what the defense is giving you and, and put the foot on the, the pedal that is going to be the best against what they're showing. So I think that's a positive sign. You know, they're not trying to beat their head against something that's not working, and they're, and they're adapting and, and making the adjustments needed to, to attack what the defense is giving you. So Jordan's microphone is muted, so you didn't hear what he just said, but I'm sure it was something that was very interesting. <laughs> it was it was highly interesting, and, and what I said is that you know we we have not talked about him yet, but Mark Andrews obviously continuing to just be a monster in this offense for this team in terms of what he does and what he brings has been unbelievably phenomenal overall, um, and just a, another money game for Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean he's. He's consistently, you know, after watching Travis and Kelsey hitch four touchdowns tonight, maybe not the best player in the, in the NFL, but he's right there with Kelsey. Like, those two are, I think, a step above everybody else. There's their, the chemistry they have with the quarterbacks, the, the ability to get open, you can't cover them one-on-one. And, and if you try to do that, you're going to get beat. Um, it's just, you know, it's fun to watch Andrews and his game and, and you know, his connection that he has with Lamar and just the trust that's between those two players um it's it's pretty remarkable and um you know andrews kind of had a, a gimme touchdown on this one but he also had some really nice plays to pick up you know some keep the chain moving pick up some third downs like there was one where the ravens were backed up in their end zone and and it was like a i don't know if it was a cover zero blitz or, or it was a slot blitz the Bengals were definitely bringing some pressure andrews was able to you know get off the line and, and get himself open for lamar and like lamar put a perfect pass where the defender couldn't get it and turn into a big game, like 20 yards. It's That's the kind of play that you need to get um, in those situations. And the Ravens' playmakers made the play in that situation. So love to see that. Yeah, super, super exciting to see what Andrews is going to do, you know. And, and I think we should talk a little bit about the offensive line, you know, more specifically. It does feel like they are coming together. You know, it doesn't – it's interesting that Lamar doesn't – it doesn't look like Lamar has full trust in his offensive line quite yet. There are moments where – even in this game where I still wanted him to step up. And I, I think that Lamar, I mean, Lamar is great in terms of eluding the pass rush to the outside of pockets and kind of flowing to the outside and being able to beat a guy and then make something happen. But I think his windows of throws, his opportunities and things, his ability to squish the defense towards him and create throwing lanes is going to be a lot better, um, you know, if he is able to do that when he steps up in the pocket. Um, but overall, I feel, you know, Leonard Baum has been a guy that has been steady. I thought Moses played better in this game. You know, hopefully we'll continue to see more of Stanley. But, you know, the run blocking in particular and their ability to get together on what are really important schemed run blocks in the Greg Roman offense, that would be the area that I'd say that we've seen the most stride since the start of this season. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity that could come from that. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that I think is getting healthier we talked about ronnie stanley getting him back um i think moses has is 
getting more used to the offense, um, more used to like the running scheme. I think that's where he struggled a little bit earlier on, but now I think he's starting to feel more comfortable in it. You know, there's more pulling probably than he's done in a long time in the NFL. Um, and you know, he just he has to be a little bit more um, disciplined in the way he's blocking. And I think he's definitely come around and he's playing really well. So it's good to see that um, Linderbaum continues to be very solid. Uh, I think he let up maybe one pressure in this game. So like, if if your center is you know pretty much clean sheet, one pressure, that's that's what you want out, out of out of that position. So it seems like that was a good you know good investment that the Ravens made. Hopefully he only continues to improve. So I, I think you know the one thing is just continuing the the, the blocking on, on the run game, and that's if we can continue to get you know those big plays. Um, that is going to be what really keeps this offense balanced. You know, the ability to make the plays with Lamar in the passing game, the ability to make the plays in the running game with Lamar and the other running backs. Having both those threats is going to make it just a really difficult offense to defend. Like I know I've said that a couple of times, but I think it's really true. As, as long as you know they're not making like the mental mistakes, uh, I think that execution is a big part of it. If they can just do that week in and week out, they're, it's 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 really just one of the better units that we're going to see. Yeah, you know, it's it's a nice progression and nice opportunity for this team overall. It, you know, what, one of the other interesting things about this game was that both teams seemed to take a really, like, bend-don't-break approach. They weren't giving up a lot of big play opportunities, and even when the Ravens had them, they didn't capitalize, so they were, they were giving the ball back or punting the ball back kind of quickly in those situations, but... It didn't feel like this was a very long game in terms of what happened, right? Like in the in the second half, you have the like the Bengals get inside the what the five yard line. They they get stopped on downs. The Ravens go all the way down to the other side of the field and get to the what the three yard line themselves. They also kick a field goal. So you have this huge sequence of game where probably like almost felt like seventeen minutes of game clock run off the game, and the only final outcome to what that was was three points, but. You know, that being said, that also seems like the evolution of where the NFL is going in general. These big, explosive play opportunities are definitely being keyed on, definitely being taken away. Um, the ebb and flow of how that comes back, and the reason I bring this up here is that if this offensive line can get it back together and they can get into a place where the running game looks more like it did in 2019, I think it'll be an even more effective opportunity for this Ravens team to to kind of go further in a standard playoff run because that because of the way that their defense is going to respond to that. Um, their defense was not, I don't think, well-built historically for kind of these long-sustained drives, keeping plays in front of them. That just wasn't the approach under Wink. And so it's been, a, I think, the right adjustment for this Ravens team overall, and I think one that's going to have you know super positive yields as this group continues to come together down the road too. Yeah, I just have to hope that, they are good in the red zone because in this game they weren't that good in the red zone i think they probably would have given up they could have easily given up four touchdowns i think um one of them was due to the end of the half and, and the Bengals not having time to score there and then the under uh, the first half i should say and then the second one i mean they did a gr- great job getting the stand goal line stand on, on fourth down um obviously that was a great you know performance but they let the Bengals drive all the way down the field so um there are some concerns there, and I think that you need to be probably a little bit better and more more consistently bending and not breaking as opposed to, like, 
kind of breaking more often than he'd like to. So as long as they can work that out, I feel good about the defense. Um, but it's, I think they have the guys to be able to do that. You know, it starts with the, with the good coverage guys out back. And if it gets back to the pass rush we talked about earlier, getting stronger, if they can just improve that, um, especially when it matters in the red zone, then I think they'll be in good, good shape. Yeah, and, and the schedule, again, you know, they got the, they're at the Giants next week, and I think there's, you know, I'm interested on the Ronnie Stanley watch to see what happens next week with, with him um, and whether or not he even plays in the Meadowlands. Um, I wonder if there wasn't more of a full-on ramp-up here because the Ravens have no intent to let him play on that field. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they do or, or if they don't overall. But, you know, looking ahead to that Giants game, I mean, there were moments, especially on that last drive of the game, where Samaje Pirine, of all people, was kind of ripping the Ravens' run defense to shreds there. Um, and Saquon Barkley is going to be an absolute handful. I think that the pressure is going to be more effective getting to Jones. I think you can keep more guys in the box because he's not going to beat you deep like Burrow, and he doesn't have the receivers like Jamar Chase um, you know, with him there. But... I think a lot of teams have slept on the Giants' ability to keep games close and then just use the running game as kind of like the effective bludgeon to be able to kind of get it across the line and win those games. So it's certainly what what felt like it was going to be a really easy gimme game um, early on the schedule on the road. This is this is definitely going to be one of the tougher ones for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have been better than anybody expected. That's, that's for sure, at least, I mean, record-wise. Um, I still think they are... A little bit of uh, paper tiger, so to speak. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if their their actual play is indicative of the record or vice versa. Um, I guess the other way around. Um, I do think that there might be a little bit of different game plan because the Giants are not a team that you're really scared of making you know big vertical high you know explosive plays like over the top with Daniel Jones at quarterback. I think. You can afford to play a little bit more single high coverage or right, cover three um, and have more guys dedicated to the box to, to stop the run. And so I think Saquon is like the biggest threat in, in that game. So I think based off of just a game plan, you would probably see a little bit more of that. But I could be I could be wrong about that. But it seems like they've made a concerted effort to take away those explosives. You know, they, they played some really good quarterbacks so far. Um, and they've played some teams that are capable of pushing the ball downfield. Um, and I think that's what they want to take away. So in this case, maybe you don't want to focus so much on that and you want to focus on what you can do on the underneath um, and, and kind of have maybe, you know, seven or eight guys in the box more regularly um, and kind of really have your, whether your linebackers or safeties ready to like rally up and, and make tackles. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's interesting. Mike McDonald is a new coordinator. So I'm, I'm curious to see how his week to week you know, kind of game planning evolves as we see some teams with varying levels of, of quarterback talent and, you know, wide receiver talent as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It should be an interesting game. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it'll be a tough one because it's in New York and, you know, that field is a mess, but it does feel like the Ravens are heading back in the right direction in terms of injuries to, you know, a watch on kind of Gus Edwards and his development and how close he is to kind of getting back on the field. Um, and then uh, Tyus Bowser and when he's going to be back there to practice and watching that, are we going to see Rashad Bateman get back to the practice field? Are we going to see um, Justin Houston get back to the practice field as well? So those are, those are all guys that have the opportunity to make really big impacts on games. So um, you hope to see them back and see them playing for this team. 
But I think that I think that you got to feel pretty good as a Ravens fan as we we head into this Giants game this week, and it's it's always a little easier and nicer to say that coming off a win. Yeah, and one last thing that I, I want to take away from this game that was something that stood out to me um, was I mean, with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, you know, they're driving on the field, the play that set up the game-winning touchdown. Lamar Jackson scrambles, not scrambles. He it's a it's a run play. It's a, option he keeps it picks up like 20 yards gets it into like the 35 this is the kind of play i've been asking and wanting the ravens to run for the past year and a half um, and it's a spread look you have four receivers spread out in formation you have one back and they call a run play out of it it's a the same kind of option run that they've been doing but this time with out of the you know, spread formation the Bengals look at this. They look. They think it's a pass. Like they're playing it like a pass. They only have four guys rushing. They drop linebackers. They have a six-man box, and it turns into a big explosive play because they broke tendency. You know, whenever you've seen 12 personnel, likely in Andrews, it's often been a pass. And when they're spread out, four receivers, it's been a pass. I think this is the first time that I've seen this year they've actually run out of that type of formation, and they they use it in this critical down distance. Um, to get into the field goal range and to win the game. So that, to me, is very positive. It's something that I want to see more of, and hopefully it's something that you can build on and use in high-level situations when you need to pick up big chunks of yards. Well, Lamar has always been phenomenal when the offensive line holds up and empty. He's always been good when they're in spread. He's always been good in late-game situations when they speed up the offense. And for whatever reason, despite the fact that Lamar really genuinely thrives in those situations, the Ravens have not figured out how to kind of take the magic formula of what is successful in those situations and extrapolate that into other parts of what they're trying to do on offense on a regular basis. So I totally agree with you that if there's an opportunity for us to see more here from these guys and this to be an evolution and a growth point for the offense, I think that's a good thing. I think more reps for likely more reps for um, uh, James Prochet are opportunities for this team to kind of grow as well. Um, so now is a good time to let those things happen. Let's see where they get to in terms of wins, see if they continue to kind of build and grow on those opportunities. You know, the Ravens signed AJ Klein last week as well, but I thought Bynes and Queen saved their jobs <laughs> to some degree of having to worry about what that might end up needing to be or needing to look like um down the road here as well so there's a lot of there continues to be a lot of upside i think you know the mike davis run that we saw on the outside it was like shades of watching that like that could have been Devontae freeman that could have been latavius murray like the run was set up exceptionally well there was a lane and there was an opportunity and it was a three-yard game um and I just, I just had an exceptional flashback to last year's running game. And if that's what it's going to be, like, once Gus Edwards is back, I think Mike Davis is just not going to be on the roster. Yeah, I mean, Mike Davis is definitely not a, a long-term solution um, or even a short-term solution, I think. Um, but in his defense, I think Mark Andrews had a really poor block on that play. And he was kind of – there was a there was a linebacker that kind of got in his face right away. And he was able to avoid that guy, but it kind of threw off the timing. Because I think if – the block was sustained and he can cleanly get the edge it's, it's a much bigger play but i don't know I, I'm, I'm not trying to like say mike davis is you know going to be an important player but I, i'm going to cut him a little bit of slack on that play specifically 
I, I was watching the blocks less than I was watching him. And again, it just it 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 could have been Devante Free it could have been Devante Freeman and not Mike Davis, and I wouldn't know the difference. So um but yeah, when I think Gus Edwards is if the running game and offensive line gelling continues to move in this direction, and then you add um a healthy Gus Edwards on top of that that's like slowly sprinkled in and developed and like he is kind of roaring and ready to go in kind of late November and into December, you've got to be excited about the direction of the, where this team is headed. Yeah, absolutely. So, listen, uh, we'd love to see you guys on Twitter. Check us out. Um, Gabe's at Gabe Berkey. I'm at Raven's Sit Room. Um, we're going to, this year, this year has been a little crazy in terms of when the games have been, where Gabe and I have been in terms of travel and stuff. I think we're going to try and get back to our Sunday night podcast that'll go up this week, try and get some video out there on Twitter, try and be a little bit more in tune to talking about some of those situations and breaking some of those plays down so you guys can see those um, in a little bit of a film breakdown and, and doing that right as soon as we get to the end of the week. So we're looking forward to that. It's just 2022 has been a busy year so far. So we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening and uh, hope to see you next time in the Situation Room. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.